Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 117. It's an emotional day for me, in fairness. I was just saying off camera there uh, to today's guest. And the reason for that is, which I would show you, but I've stopped doing YouTube videos, uh, just uploading it to Spotify. But I have this little book um, called The Best Podcaster Ever, and it's where I sort of write my notes as we go throughout each podcast, just to make sure I don't forget everything. As times went on, I don't really need it that much anymore, in fairness, but the first episode I did with this book was number 30, which was the first time we had a sponsorship with a Scottish farmer. Obviously, what's that? 87 podcasts later. Uh, it's a total different world I'm in these days, but it's very emotional. So I'm looking for a new book. Um, hopefully, mum can find me one that makes me feel good about myself again. Uh, some kind of cute little name on the front like she did this time. Um but enough about the book that I write the podcast on. That's not what we're here to talk about today. Uh, last week, uh, or on Friday anyway, we spoke to Aaron McNaught. Aaron has won the, let me get the name of this right, the One Man or Dog British title. She won it at 16. She also won a young handler of the same competition. And what's quite a nice story about that is the fact that Aaron's actually the owner of the farm where the first ever sheepdog trial was. So that was quite a sort of full circle job and very much one of those podcasts that I'm like, how have you fitted this into the time you've had? Because halfway through, I was like, what age are you in? And expecting her to be about my age and she was 20. So very much quite impressive what's, what's happened there. And today we have someone who I would say since I've been on the sort of farming Instagrammy side of things I've followed we've followed our guest today for some time uh, I've been a fan for some time and I've very much started enjoying her TikToks which we will get into at some point <laughs> uh, but uh, Sophia would you like to say hello yes hello um, thank you very much for having me um, my name's Sophie I'm from County Cavan in Ireland and um, I guess one of my jobs is posting some farming content on social media. Just before we get started with another episode of the R2Cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, A-Plan Rural. A-Plan Rural are heavily involved on the social media scene in the ag space with 120,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories. They also post to their rural community blog with further stories about these people in the industry. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to Aplan Rural for that. And I, I must say, it is, it is one of the best accounts out there. Sophie Bell, for those of you who want to go and check, uh, check out Instagram and TikTok are the main two that I follow on. Uh, but the TikTok has very much became a, a favourite of mine lately. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you, as you say, you sort of create a, con create a bit of content, but obviously for that, you need the farm itself. Sophie, can you tell us a bit about, a bit about the home farm? Yes. Um, so it's a very small farm um, and it's in quite a hilly area in Ireland so it's um yeah back I don't know how many years ago we used to have suckler cows um but then whenever I was growing up I decided that I'd start rearing my own very overpriced calves that I bought from a local farmer um and then kind of moved more into dairy beef from that and um I went to university um, a few years ago during COVID and when I came home from that I started into contract rearing dairy heifers for local farmers um, but I 
relief milk as well on other farms and I work full time too. So there's a lot going on, but I do enjoy it. Um, but there's lots of variety um, on the farm and off the farm, which is great. I mean, I did at first, I didn't realise that you were just um, full time home over time. You know, you sort of follow someone a little bit and, and then you see things here and there. And I realised pretty quickly that that was not the case and there was a lot going on. Um, what made you sort of move into that that rearing uh, dairy beef? What, what was what was the, the motive there, I guess? Um, I guess it was quite hard to make a living off the sucklers. Um, we all work full-time off the farm as well, so it's really hard to be at home to watch over them when they're calving and like you really need that calf to be well when you're in a suckler enterprise. So it was just kind of very prob- problematic or it wasn't suiting our lifestyle. So we decided to look for other things that were a bit more easier, but at the same time, gives us profit at the end of the year so yeah that's why we went went into that how many of you are involved on the farm um i kind of just my father and myself and my mum would be there to help but it's kind of just us two mainly so yeah you get you guys are in charge (laughs) (laughs) um Um, but um my dad's did give me more of a control over it whenever I finished up in university, which is great because a lot of maybe older generations don't want to let go of the farm. So it's nice to have that. It's quite a big problem in fairness. I mean, I've got pretty good friends that are in positions that they're like, I can't have that discussion with my parents and I don't know what. It's quite, it's, yeah, it's it's a... It's a tricky topic. It is a very true, and because it's that sort of family and business thing, it's really hard to to approach it. Sometimes you don't want to approach it and cause a cause bother family wise when you're just talking business. But it's it's a tricky one. It is a very tricky one. It sounds like it's been worked well in your family though, which is which is good. Um, so how does that process work? Apologise, sounds like a motorbike's just come into the. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, how does that work? Um. Well, we're contract rearing heifers now at the moment um but the dairy beef we just used to buy off um a local farmer that I milked for and I did also um work with the calves on that farm so we bought from that farm at least we knew what we were getting because I had helped rear them and I knew a lot about the farm itself so that was great and um, we'd take them when they were nearly weaned and yes. we'd just move them on to their um, more solid food then uh, whenever we got them and then we'd rear them up until they're ready to go um, to the factory which is kind of around the two-year mark right yeah. And how how does the contract rearing heifers side go? That's much very much more or less common thing. I would I would assume certainly over here. Yes. Uh, what age are you taking them on? Um, we were going to take them on as calves, but we kind of thought it would be much less of a risk if we took them on as yearlings, um, because they're less likely to get sick and less likely to get problems. 
So we take them in March time when everyone's going out to grass and they're out of housing. Um, we take them around that time. And then a few months or a few weeks down the line, they'd be ready to be put into calf. And that's what we do. We'd do all the dosing and AI and everything like that and have them for the summer months. Um, but it is becoming a lot more of a popular thing, I think, in our area because of the nitrates issue and derogation and all that kind of thing. So I think dairy farmers are definitely wanting more people to be part of it. Um, but like, it's really good because it suits our lifestyle and we know what we're getting at the end of the month. And yeah, it's been very good, I have to say. And does that work? Do you have like a few clients that you'll contract rear for, or do some do folk just phone you up and say we've got twenty heifers? You know, how does that work? Um, I put out the advert, um, kind of around Christmas time. Um, it's only our second year into it, so I we still work with the first farmer we had, and um, we wanted to in, improve our numbers for the second year we were going into it, so. I just put the advert out there on Dundeal and right. it's kind of like you just have to be selective about who you want and like if it's something that you can work with um, what they want from you and what you want from them then yeah that's kind of <laughs> you just have to see who is best suited and who is like you can get on with easily so yeah that's kind of how it works um, so if it all goes well this year, we'll um, hopefully repeat the same two customers um, for the following year. And if you're keeping them over summer, I take it that's outside your care? Yes, yeah, yeah. But um, we'll take on some weanlings during the winter time. So there'll always be something on the farm. It's a brilliant idea. I love I love the idea of this contract farm inside because it, it, it's... <laughs> It's always been a thing, but it's sort of increasing in popularity, whether that's contract shepherding, contract whatever, like contract what you're doing. It's yes. just such a cool, con cool concept. It sort of works in the same way that we stream Netflix. You know, it's kind of like a case to that, you know, uh, and it's quite interesting just to see how it runs. I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information on our primary sponsors, Aplan Rural. Aplan offer bespoke cover for farms and estates the UK over. And we'll give you tailored insurance for anything on the farm from your old workhorse tractor that's been around 20 years or a fancy new and exciting diversification. Was, was farming always what you wanted to do, Sophie, when you were younger? Um, I think I always liked animals when I was growing up. Um, and I think I was always on the farm, but never really actively involved in it until I was a teenager. and my friends were all farmers then so I was like because when I was growing up I was kind of the odd one out being the farmer girl okay. and then as I went into secondary school um, there was more people similar to me so I was like all oh, right this is fine I, I'm allowed to be different and enjoy being um, outdoorsy and enjoy that side of things yeah um, so yeah, I guess I always have been, but it's kind of grown more as I've gotten older. 
it is hard at that age, isn't it? Like you, you, you like you want to like something, but it's not cool to like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're quite vulnerable to other people's opinions, and you know you're unsure of yourself at that age sometimes. Oh, that's it. Absolutely, it's it's quite weird. You have to look back on it. You're like, why were we like this? Why are kids like this? be ourselves and follow yes. what we like? But uh, you've mentioned uni a couple of times, Sophie. Can you tell us what you studied there. And where um, you studied, yes, yeah. Um, I went to Harper Adams in Shropshire, and I studied ag with animal science. Enjoy it. Yes, I did. Yeah, it was really nice. Um, but COVID happened in the middle of it, so it was a bit of a dampener on the whole thing. But maybe the grades improved a lot because you were just <laughs> inside the whole time. <laughs> a bit less beer on the go, maybe. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, what? So, so when did COVID happen? Was that in your first, second, or third year? Uh, third year when I was out on placement um, it happened in the middle of that year so I guess I only had placement and final year to do so it kind of happened at a good time I guess yeah. in a way I still I, I feel I was obviously lecturing at that stage but I feel terrible for anyone that was a student during that yeah. because like you say maybe your grades benefited but you missed out on the social side <laughs> like, but, uh, yeah yeah but, all the maybe. significant moments. Yeah, exactly. That's it. And maybe, in fairness, maybe at your stage you're a wee bit further in, but um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a shame. I feel like I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> no, <Nope. laughs> am I? Um, why won't it decide if I'm going to sneeze or not? No, I'm not. Um, yeah, just a, just a rubbish time for it to happen. But did you have like a project to do when you were there? Yes. Um, what did you do that on? Um, I was supposed to do it on the farm on um, calf health and the rumen and whether what feeding program is best suited for the calf um, in their early stages the first three, three months. But I had to switch to secondary research because of COVID and the lockdowns happening, which was sad but <laughs> yeah um so I couldn't do my research on the actual farm itself um yeah but it was definitely different um and interesting to like yeah read about everyone else's research but it was unfortunate that we couldn't do it ourselves that is frustrating that's frustrating yeah yeah the secondary research is fine sort of desk based but yeah you really want to get into it, don't you? Yeah, you do, yes. Yeah. Uh, it just ruined everything, COVID. I get so angry about it so often. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah it, was, it was the way it was. It was a strange old time. It's mental to think, actually. It was three, more than three years ago that... It's crazy. We thought we were getting a two-week holiday, you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm glad I wasn't in first year and yeah. was going over there and didn't know anybody I think that would have been very um frightening like being in lockdown and all that tough actually is what it was because I mean teaching into that stage like people that are just moving away for the first time like it was such a horrible mm. for them um yeah so no you're probably right quite a positive outlook that it wasn't ideal but at least you managed to get the sort of the good bit uh, yeah. the- um, what was Harper itself like? 
good place. Yes, lovely place. Um, it's out in the countryside and um, there's a local town with everything you need besides you. Um, yeah, and really <coughs> cheap as well. Like, it's just great because the colleges near me in Ireland were like Dublin, which you'd be paying an absolute fortune for accommodation-wise and everything like that. So it was really good and it was nice to kind of go out on your own and get a bit more independence um yeah, yeah no really enjoyed it Dublin's known to be very expensive isn't it yes <laughs> is that because yeah, it's I, a popular place for holidays is that what that is or is it just <laughs> I think it's just overcrowded and there's not enough housing for everybody got you I think yes Tough when it's your local place. It's all right if you're going on holiday for a week or two, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's tough when it's where you are. Um, yes, yeah. Just out of interest, in fairness, because I guess the rules would be slightly different because you're a Republic of Ireland. Was how how was COVID? Was it pretty similar to what we had in the UK? Was it just complete lockdown as we had, or how did it go? Um. Yes, I think we were like given two weeks where off work and everything and then it just turned into I don't know how many months just not being allowed to go anywhere and yeah it was very different because we're also used to being so busy and doing so much and then you're just asked to do nothing and stay at home (laughs) um yeah I think it was very similar to England um I think yeah It was yeah, it was it was strange. It was just weird. Um, yeah. There's one thing I really wanted to ask you about, and I've I've asked uh, you are number three on the list of four. Uh, you might have an idea of what I'm going at here, but I'll start saying the names, and I'm sure you'll know. I've currently had yourself, obviously, because we're filming it right now, Louise <laughs> Crowley and Hazel Mullins on the podcast. So there is oh, yes. three, and the fourth person. Do you know who that is? I would be looking for. Um. um I think, yeah, so yourself, Hazel, Louise, and I want to have Alice on. And the reason for that <laughs> is, is I don't know how long this would be, probably a couple of years ago, the four of you were in the front cover of a magazine. And uh, I just thought it was pretty cool because you're front cover magazine, but reading into it, it seems like quite a notable front cover to be on. Could you tell us how, I can't actually remember the name of the magazine, but could you, could you tell us about that process and what that involved and, and what that sort of meant for the four of you? Yes, um, no, I have it here on the wall, actually. Oh, do you? <laughs> um, it's um, the Weekend Magazine with the Irish Independent. Um, yeah, no, that was, I think, in November 21. It was basically we were interviewed about being a women in agriculture and talking about our experiences and how we use social media to... Um, just show what we do and show that it's normal to be a woman in the farming world and just show what we get up to and all of that and we did talk about some of the issues that we faced and I think it's important to bring them up and tell people that we go through those issues and struggles um but yeah when we had a photo shoot down in Louise's farm um, there was a smoke machine and <laughs> big fancy lights and everything. It was really, really good. Um, some beautiful photos and the coverage that 
the magazine interview got was I didn't expect it at all, but it was really successful. Um, yeah, really, really, really positive and very inspiring. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it was inspiring. That's exactly what yeah. it was. I mean, <laughs> I remember. I think it was Hazel had seen it posted about it first. Oh, this is coming, and uh, I was like, "That's cool." You know, having been in a few newspapers and stuff, thinking this is brilliant, and then uh, just realizing the severity of it, and just how many folk were on board. And, oh, it was brilliant! And I set myself a wee challenge then. I think that was probably the first time I contacted you. Um, yes. I Sophie, a year or two ago, to see if we could get her on, uh, and we just—it just never happened. But. Uh, that was the sort of first time I was like, right, I'm going to get these four. And uh, <laughs> as I said, three quarters of the way there, just got to get Alice, just got to get Alice. Yes, you're nearly um, there. Which I'm sure we will. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Really, really there. <laughs> Funnily enough, actually, I spoke about this book being almost finished. The last episode I did before I started writing in this book was Hazel. Um, oh. Yeah, so that's <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I feel circle there, but uh, yeah, no, very cool, very cool. And, and speaking about women in agriculture, it's a it's a thing we just accept now. It's just there, and I've said a few times, I wish it wasn't a thing. Not mm. because I don't want to support women in agriculture, <laughs> because I wish we didn't need to be in a position where that's the case. Because it's something like sixty five percent of farmers on the planet are female. Um, you know, so many farming systems that I know of. It's run by the female, or the female is very much an integral part, all this sort of thing. How, how do you think that shifted over the time you've been involved in farming, Sophie? Do you think it's moving in the right direction? Um, yes, I do. I definitely do think it is going in the right direction. Um, there has been some significant changes on during my time on this yeah. planet. <laughs> um, but there is still small well, not small, but there is still issues that need to be figured out and maybe um, some people need to be taught on how to be more respectful um, when someone who's a woman comes into the workplace on a farm. Um, yeah, I definitely do think it is going in the right direction. And I think a lot of, a good few women haven't had any issues and they say it doesn't need to be a thing, which is brilliant to hear that they have had no issues. But I don't think, um, I think that kind of minimizes other people's issues. And I think it's important that if there is someone who's had their struggles, they need to be allowed to talk about them um, because we've all had different experiences. Um, and yeah, we all come from different backgrounds. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. it is definitely going in the right direction. Um, <coughs> like my lecture theatre would have been more females than males right. in the farming lecture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. That, it's all positive. And I think you're right. I don't know how... I think the truth is no, no thing ever is going to be perfect. But, you know, like the... The biggest one that I see and have heard so many examples of is um, someone coming onto the farm and saying to the wife or the, the girlfriend of the team or whatever, saying, can I speak to the farmer? And you're like, whoa, yeah. wait a minute. Like, that's a horrible <laughs> assumption to make. Like, horrible. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's a mentality thing, isn't it? You know, sort of yeah. changing mentality. And, and I think in a lot of 
and I'm going to generalise here, a lot of old boys that is just not yeah. okay, but uh, they're not going to be here forever. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you, sort of that that change is is, is yeah. definitely happened. I'd like to think in our generation. I assume you and I are somewhere ages that uh, it is better, but there's there's always going to be the ones that think it's cool to you know. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's good yeah, to hear that you think it's going in the positive direction, and and hopefully things like that magazine cover that you spoke of is 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 helping those things. Um, mm. You know whether that's a little girl reading it, thinking, "Oh, what will be part of this?" I had a great chat with. I don't know if you listen to podcasts, but one I would advise you listen to is number twenty three of this podcast with James Herrick. Now, James is the typical white heterosexual male, um, but what he spoke about a lot was was sort of, um, I guess, issues with the LGBTQIA plus community and, and farming, and what that was was he yes. Farmers Weekly. <clears throat> And I don't know if you remember, maybe about it'll be two years ago last week, because last week was Pride Week, wasn't it? Um, Massey yeah. released a, a like a competition for school kids to say, um, you know, decorate this Matthew Ferguson tractor for Pride. And uh, there were some really cool ones that were put in. It was eventually a pink one with like a, a sort of um, instead of the the, the typical silver uh, Massey Ferguson stripe, it was a rainbow stripe, and this is one. And that was fine, and that was really cool and really good. And what well, the school kids could have got involved, they'd farming, and it opened it up to LGBTQIA plus and all that sort of thing as well. And what his problem was was when it was posted in Farmers Week with social media, like all of the comments were just yes. hellish. And he was like, "No wonder we can't encourage diversity in this sector because yes. you're you're that whatever fourteen year old." Um, homosexual boy sitting watching, and you're like not doing this, or this trans girl, or whatever. I don't want to get involved in this fam, this sort of industry. So, yeah, it's it's got to be a, a shift across the whole whole sector. And yes, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but nice to hear that, that that you're sort of you're of the belief it's going in the positive direction. That's that's got to be a win. Um, yeah, tell us. You know, we, we, we've sort of spoke there a little bit about about content creation and stuff we mentioned it at first your sort of primary platform i guess is definitely instagram uh now moving into tiktok what what made that start why did you start with that um i guess um tiktok kind of started um being a thing during covid for everybody i think um <coughs> There you go. <laughs> 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 Sorry, um, it kind of started being a thing during COVID um, for everybody, but I wasn't really on it until later on. I was a bit late to the bandwagon. Yeah. Um, and I think this time last year, I started making TikToks. Um, I think I just got into it because... It took me it took me a while to figure out how to make one first of all. <laughs> but um I just found that I enjoyed making them. Um and I'd say from a social media side of things, TikTok and that kind of content is going to be the future of um social media. I think it'll be more that more so than um your just Instagram I'd say maybe I'm not sure um 
but uh, no, I really just started enjoying the making the videos and just hopping on any trends and things that I found relatable. Um, and just, it was very nice, happy vibes to it as well. Like um, it's all very funny content you kind of put out there and yeah, I, that's kind of why. <laughs> so, I mean, it, genu- it genuinely became one of my favourite accounts in TikTok. Like, it, <laughs> some of the ones like, um, oh, what a farmer looks like, and then you're standing there like with mm. the little <laughs> Oh, like, they're brilliant! They're absolutely brilliant! Um, really entertaining. Really entertaining. Thank have you? you. <laughs> so yeah, um, you get a like from me of pretty much all of them. Must be saying, uh, you sort of pop up on the for you page quite often i think you're right about you know that's where social media is going the sort of there's a reason that snapchat instagram facebook well i think twitter's the only one that hasn't youtube have created that sort of short side yeah yes yes spotlight whatever um it's just the we're so used to consuming four second long content that's sort of where it's going yes and Um, our attention spans are (laughs) just going it's genuinely interesting though i mean they don't exist like i mean yeah. this is good. podcast will be however long i've done some that are two hours you know like it's surprising people listen and i see the analytics that very few are there right at the end um but i i know if i see a tiktok is 40 seconds i'm gonna have to be bloody interested to watch it's probably gonna have to be about this uh, submersible for me to watch more than 40 yes, seconds yeah I seem to be addicted to submarines these days. It's just weird how they <laughs> randomly you're in, in this thing that you can't stop reading about. But um, yes, yeah. Like, I think I learned about the Ukrainian war on TikTok. Like it's just it's such a surreal place. There's there's some really good information on it, and then there's some quite the opposite. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R Two Cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. Have you have you sort of had anything from social media? Do you is it is it something that you get opportunities from? Is it something that you've sort of been able to to use to to make things better for yourself? Um I suppose I have had some really lovely opportunities such as that magazine to speak about my experience and it's wonderful to receive those sort of opportunities Um, and I've had a few awards as well from it too which has been wonderful Um, like if I was telling my younger self what's happening now it'd be like oh (laughs) you know it's like crazy like I didn't have any confidence when I was younger um in what I wanted to do and it's just been a complete turnaround so that in itself is wonderful um but then from a um like as in adverts that side of things um I have received some lovely um opportunities from Brands in the farming community yeah. and maybe the clothing side of things too. Um, and I kind of mainly it's just 
gifted opportunities. It's never really paid, but um, yeah, but I'm very happy to receive things like that. Like it's all going towards the farm and it's all being put to great use. So yeah, yeah, um, it's been great. I didn't really expect any of this to happen, but uh, yeah. It's nice to get those things, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Feels like you're like well, you're obviously valued to whatever the point the value of that is. Yeah, it's nice. It's really nice. Yeah. Yes. No, it's I mean, wonderful. You mentioned awards. What awards? I know people hate talking about awards, but let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, whenever I finished university, um, I got the president's award for my contribution to the college itself and the farming community for promoting the ag industry and the college itself and that was lovely and then two weeks ago I think um we were at the dairy awards in for Ireland yeah and it was um yeah two weeks ago down in Leash um and I'm not from a farming a a dairy farming background I've kind of only gone into it um, in in a weird route, um, <laughs> but I was still very involved in the dairy side of things. Um, and my category was for a uh, social media ambassador for uh, the dairy industry and promoting it in a positive light and educating the um, general public about what happens on the farm and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I got that award, which was surprising. Yeah. It was really nice to get it. Yeah. Yeah, they're both lovely. They're, that's lovely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, something for the mantelpiece. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Like magazine <laughs> awards. Yeah, we fell it up, Sophia. We fell it up. <laughs> yeah. um, very good. Uh, you, I, you're clearly quite young as well. So, as time goes on, it'll be filler and filler. You'll need more mantelpieces. <laughs> Is that called a mantle pie? I can't imagine that. Mantelpiece is, I don't know. I don't know what the plural of mantelpiece is. If you're listening and you know what the plural of mantelpiece is, please let me know. Um, as we've said, you know, it's quite clear that you're not someone that just does one thing. You also do have a job, assuming that everything you've just said isn't a job. <laughs> uh, you're, you're in quality control. Is that is that agricultural quality control or what's that that you're in? Um, veterinary pharmaceutical, yes, you did, yeah. Um, veterinary pharmaceutical quality right. control. So yeah, yeah, it is. I guess it's all products for the livestock sector, um, and it's based in the lab side of things. So it's yeah, very different. Um, I didn't study any of that in university, so it's all very new to me. But I do enjoy it. Um, and at least you can leave it there at five o'clock and go home and do your other jobs. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's quite weird having a job that you can't leave at five. You know, you take home, whatever. It, it's good to have that ability to write five o'clock's here, bang. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no yeah. yeah, yeah. It's great to have that structure and routine as well because, yeah, that's a great help. So are you like testing products? Is that what that is? Or are you? Yes. Um, so you have like a medicine that is going out to, um, you have a batch of maybe 
uh, injections made and I have to test that all the ingredients in that product work and do their job and that they'll do what they have to do for the animal whenever it's administered. So yeah, and I have to pass that and send it on. Um, that's basically it, but it's a bit more technical <laughs> than it sounds. Um, it's a lot of chemistry and things yeah. like that, but yeah, I do enjoy it. Yeah. One of those jobs that's kind of hard to explain, but there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. I, imagine, I can imagine that. Um, no, here, listen, Sophie, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure. I've tried to sort of have you on the pod for a while and it's good to sort of finally get it. We actually tried to arrange about three times, <clears throat> um, but we got there in the end. Uh, I couldn't do it, so we couldn't do it. We got there in the end. <laughs> it's been, been a pleasure to have you on. But there's two questions I finish every episode with. And uh, they are, one, where do you see yourself in five years? And two, if you had tips for folk coming into farming, what would they be? Um, where do I see myself in five years? Um, a good question. That is a good <laughs> question, isn't it? And you think it's easy. You think, oh, that's easy to answer, but it's not at all. <clears throat> no. Um, hopefully um, a lot of improvements on the farm a lot of building maybe of um sheds and um improvement on the yard side of things on the farm um hopefully progressing in my career yeah i don't know really where i see myself i hope i'm just happy in what I'm doing and um, just a better person I think is the main thing um, happy and healthy I'd say yeah. and maybe travel to a few more countries around the world and stuff like that yeah um, but it's one I need to think about a bit more because I don't know um, where I want to be in five years yeah but you're, I think the happy one's just got to be number one isn't it yeah, I think so. Not enjoying it, it's rubbish. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah and any, um, any tips for farming, any advice? Um, yes, it can be quite daunting when you're young and you don't know what to do. Um, I came from a very small farming background and I didn't have any real substantial experience uh, going into the sector when I was going into university um, so I was a bit scared but I, I didn't have much confidence either um, but it all comes eventually and if you're passionate enough about um, agriculture I think you'll be absolutely fine um, yeah just it can be very very difficult at times and very challenging and negative sometimes too and lonely and all that but um yeah that's what social media is for um reaching out to people probably yeah i think if if you enjoy it you'll be fine well good good love to hear it love to hear folk that are positive on that one and also <laughs> nice to hear that the plan in five years is no idea because of <laughs> a few times I've asked that to folk and someone's went back to me, what about you, Wallace? I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, just want to be happy doing what I'm doing. So no, it's, it's, it's a very good answer. Um, 
I hope everyone listening, you've enjoyed Sophie's story. Sophie, I hope you've enjoyed coming on today. Yeah, uh, hope you've enjoyed. Thank you. Uh, I seem to have developed a cold as this podcast has went. I didn't have <laughs> any sore throat or whatever, but I feel over this podcast I seem to have developed it. But uh, if you've enjoyed Stophie's story, be sure to check her out on Instagram. I actually think sort of in, in Ireland there's a there's a really great sort of agricultural Instagram scene with folk like Carol, Joanne, Louise, Karen, Katie, yourself, <laughs> Hazel. Alice, there's so many folk, it's, it's yes. really brilliant. And actually, I saw about a year ago, he's all met up, which I thought was really, really cool. Uh, yes, and really we need, that. To, need to do more of that, I think. Yeah, yeah really we, we need to do that over here as well, because I've got a lot of mates in this space now, and, and we should sort of try and do something like that. But I love to see it. So go check Sophie's story out there. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast as always. And the next episode, I have absolutely no idea who it is, because I haven't organised it yet. Uh, but Sophie, thank you very much for your time. Yes, thank you so much. Perfect. We'll see you all for the next episode. I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2Cast. I just want to take this moment to quickly thank our primary sponsors once more, A-Plan Rural. If you follow A-Plan on social media, you'll see the work they're doing to really promote British farming and back our industry. It's been a pleasure working alongside A-Plan Rural so far, and long may it continue. The values of A-Plan Rural runs perfectly in line with the whole mantra of Rural to Kitchen, and I'm glad to have them on board. Check them out on Instagram at A Plan Rural and on Facebook at A Plan Rural Insurance. See you for the next podcast.